0: This is Mariah Famica from Plush, and you're listening to Ken Valdez Approach on Rock
1: Rage Radio. Welcome, welcome to Ken Valdez Approach.
0: Hey, hey, welcome on in. It's your boy KV coming at you from my soul, Renegade Sound Studio right here in Minneapolis. I am welcoming you to the Ken Valdez Approach. I have such a cool guest for you this week, man. I can't even take it. I can't even take it. His name is St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave him that name. St. Paul and his family. They are world-renowned. They are just so highly respected in the music business and among their peers, among the players in this industry. They have worked with everybody from Prince to Fleetwood Mac to Bob Dylan to George Benson to Steve Miller Band to Peter Frampton. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. But St. Paul, the youngest of this bunch in my opinion, turned out to be the freak of the family. This guy is a multi-instrumentalist. He's a producer. He's an educator. He's a podcast host. This guy is just, he's he's a jack of all trades, and he's one of my dearest friends. In fact, to say that I owe him so much is an understatement. This man has taught me so much about music, about life. Man, he he's incredible, but... Let's just go ahead and stop there and get on into this interview. What do you say about that? This, my friends, is my conversation with one of my dearest friends, St. Paul Peterson, right here on The Approach. (laughs) Hey, here we are with St. Paul Peterson, my big bro, hanging out. What are you doing, man? How have you been? What's going on?
1: Man, it's about time you got me on this show. I've been waiting for, like, <laughs> how long you been on a year? See how I turn things around on you there. Oh, man, come oh, on now. Yeah, where,
0: no, where, where, where have
1: you been? Where have you been? I've been working on a new record, man. Yeah, you have, man. I, I have. Yeah. I got a brand new record out that came out... Uh, june 24th here in the states and it came out in january in the rest of the world as they say but man it is so good that we finally connected schedules and i'm happy to be on your show finally dude
0: yes absolutely man there's there's just there's so much there's so much to talk about i mean where to begin with you and your career and it's
1: well i knew you when you were a little kid
0: yeah, that, that's how about mean. that
1: when you first came here yeah, that's right, man. That's right. That's you right. You were you were originally a friend of my nephew Isaac's.
0: Yeah, and Isaac played drums for us, man. And gosh, it's that that was uh, that
1: that's was a, a time. time
0: that was a time. We had uh, yeah the thirty five twenty crew, and that's goodness right. gracious, man, I'm still. I'm still hungover. (laughs) (laughs) Is that right? That was one of them bands, huh? Oh, man. You know, where we lived on Lake Minnetonka, man, you had all those mansions and stuff, and then you had our little Gilligan's Island hut. And I swear, man, any given time of the day, that thing was lit like Vegas, and it was just... Unruh. Stop right.
1: Wow. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> I'll
0: never forget it, man.
1: I never, I haven't heard those stories. Oh. <laughs> you'll have to tell. So. Oh,
0: man. Uh, yeah. I, I, I might, I might have to plead the fifth, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I that's understand. That's You're some, a
1: family man oh, now. It's
0: some incriminating shit right there. I yeah,
1: understand.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. So you have a new record out. I'm trying to figure out where to even start with you because, bro, you know, I know that your career is just, it's extensive. And not only that, your family is—I mean, they're legends, they're icons here in the state of Minnesota, in Minneapolis, Minnesota music. Man, let's let's go there. Actually, we'll start there just a little bit, and we're going to work our way on into you. Your family, mm-hmm. your family is legendary. Minnesota Music Hall of Fame. I mean, you guys have played with the biggest names in music and, and and then some, and you guys are probably some of the most highly respected and loved musicians probably on the planet. Everybody wow. that we've talked to, some people here on the show,
1: Dwayne Bailey, for example. Uh, I love man. him, man. Yeah, man. Jeff Scott way Soto. back in the day. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, man. All those guys are just kind of like, God, these are the cats. These are the cats. Tell us about your family a little bit for uh, the listeners out here. Like, Give us a, a kind of a brief overview as far as the Peterson family is concerned.
1: Well, right now I'm sitting in the basement of what used to be my mom and dad's house. They built it in 1958. This room has seen more rehearsals than any other rehearsal room in Richfield, Minnesota, anyway. but <laughs> People like Oscar Peterson, David Sanborn. The Steve Miller band, uh, uh, the family, F Deluxe, members of the time, Prince's band. I mean, everybody's rehearsed down here. Yeah, That's all because of mom and dad. And they were the top of the top musicians back in their day, you know, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. That was their prime. And they had a, a bunch of kids. I'm the youngest. I mean, we all are professional musicians we all make a living doing this wonderful thing called music, which is, you know, fun 99% of the time. And the other percent of the time, you just suck it up and do it. But we love playing with each other. We love uh, coming back to this basement and rehearsing. We, you know, it. we live and breathe music. And I've learned so much from my brothers and sisters. And of course my mom. And uh, it's just, it's one of those weird, freaky things, Ken. It, they just, they're just they the most incredible musicians on the planet. They just happen to be related to me.
0: Right. It's really. the truth. No, that's, that's the God-honest truth, man. I mean, it's insane. Like, you think about the names just right there. You're, you're throwing out a few, but I mean, you start talking about cats like, like well, you know, Fleetwood Mac. Ricky's mm-hmm. playing with Fleetwood Mac. That's I'm, a big gig. That's, that, that, that doesn't suck. That's that doesn't suck at all. That's right? a big, big gig. <laughs> yeah. That's an okay gig. There's a guy named Prince, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the brothers at one point were essentially the Steve Miller band.
1: Right? Three of us. Yeah. Three Peterson. Talk about pleading the fifth, buddy. <laughs> I can't tell you any stories from back in those days.
0: Oh, my goodness, man.
1: My liver still hurts from those days. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah. We've, been,
1: we've been so lucky, man, and most of all, blessed to have the the talent and the love that we have for music and each other. It's 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 kind of crazy.
0: It really is. I mean it's it's an honor to even just know you guys and I mean let alone I mean I consider y'all you know extended family and it's just you know the level of musicianship within that family it's I I can't say enough about it and there really are no words to explain it it's 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 an experience and anybody that knows this family is going to know exactly that it's it's an experience that's it it defies logic. It defies, <laughs> it defies, <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's, incredible. I've never heard a put like that before, it's but incredible. I like incredible It's incredible, you. man. You being the youngest, mm-hmm. right. And, and knowing your family and knowing how incredible they are, how, how was it for you growing up in a household like that? I mean, and, and you turned out to be like, you know, just the, I don't even know how to, how to put this. In my opinion, and I, I say this with love, you're the freak of the family man, oh my God, <laughs> you play how many let's go here How many instruments do you play
1: man? Oh dude, I don't know. five or six God. Something like that
0: and there and you're just again, you're proficient at home. you're so good, right?
1: Well, thank you, brother. I never get bored, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> There's always something to do, and yeah, but I mean, how was that to, to come up? you know, with that family and to get your musical upbringing and let's, yeah, let's start there. Where did you discover this? Obviously you were born into it, but how did you come about to getting,
1: you know, well, your, uh, your son I, ha- I didn't have a choice. Are you kidding? Being the youngest of all that, that's what I thought everybody else did. And you know, I thought all my friends had musical families too. And like, I, I know Linda in a lot of interviews have said, oh, what? she would say to her friends, well, what do you play? And that's really how we felt. We'd go down the street and we'd be like, you know, what do your parents play? Or what 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 instruments do you play? So we all thought that everybody had the same life that we had. We didn't realize how special it was until we, you know, got to a certain age. But I can tell you the trickle-down theory is a real thing. Uh, having this household full of different kinds of genres of music, from rock and roll, but... Primarily black music. You know, we got a bunch of Norwegians that just love black music. <laughs> From bebop to um, R&B to funk, it has been the staple of the Peterson family. It's what we have are, are attracted to, are passionate about, feel as part of our soul is, you know, it, it is black music. It's just been unbelievably... Uh, great to be involved in that and, and and uh i don't know what else to say about it but it's just what we love and that's what we we that's the approach we take to everything that we do is from that soulful place
0: i love it i love it yeah and you guys do it very 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 well now obviously there's there's a giant prince connection here
1: yeah and a little one yep yeah
0: yeah you uh <laughs> I mean between the brothers obviously and I mean well you were in the time you were in Purple Rain dude if anybody I was. doesn't know that this cat was in Purple Rain so you how were How crazy there. is that Dude what well, I was How old were you during Purple Rain
1: Dude I think I was 17 or 18 That's years insanity old Sanity to me man God I know when I looked at my kids when they were that age and I'm like You ain't ready <laughs> I wasn't ready Although I had been playing in bars for a few years and all throughout my high school career with uh, family bands and and with my mom and and uh, so I was a little bit more prepared, but how can anybody be prepared for that? No one knew that was coming. I thought, oh, cute, this is going to be a cute little movie, and you know, I just hung on for dear life, and then bam, exploded.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really
1: fun to be a part of.
0: I bet, man. I mean, but your story, your story goes on. You, you actually have a bit of a legacy with, with Prince when you look at it that way. Can you kind of give you like, I guess, like a timeline of your uh, working with him or how, you know, how you became affiliated, how you got into the time and what happened after that?
1: I graduated high school and went on vacation up to drink as much beer as I could and be naughty. And, and and I got a phone call from my brother-in-law who I was in his band. And he says, I have an audition for you in the time. Get your butt back. here from vacation. And I'm like, can it wait? He's like, "Uh, no. So I came back here to this very basement I'm in. Uh, I'm supposed to get a tape a week ahead of time and learn a few of these time songs and I got the the cassette tape the night before I was supposed to do this audition. So oh, I crammed, which is kind of my style anyway. You know, I, I, I like to learn the stuff, you know, pretty much right before I do it. So I don't forget it. And, and it's fresh in my brain. So I, I did that and went into the audition, got a call back the next day. Prince was there and he and Jesse Johnson hired me on the spot and the next thing you knew we were picking out swatches of clothing going through swatches of clothing for purple rain it was crazy i so went home and i'm like in, mom you came I in just,
0: like right there you came in like essentially at purple rain this was it this was how like, great is
1: that what timing yeah, is that that's right? like that's like uh, divine intervention bam go ahead and go right there okay yeah. yeah me.
0: Here. Everything's going to blow up right now and you're in the thick of it. At 17. God, yeah, man. you got to be kidding me, man.
1: Wow. I wasn't ready. <laughs> man, but, but they got me ready.
0: They got you ready.
1: They man. got me ready.
0: How was that, man? That experience? It was you know, brutal.
1: That was <laughs> so can't, I came from a I come from a family that is primarily more bebop and that encourages you to take uh musical chances and to improvise right that's what sure. it's all about sure interpret the songs the way you want to play them well that's not how the prince camp works, and I just <laughs> had to not only was I thrust into a new situation I was also thrust into a new way of thinking about music funk music to me was more RB and i learned i went to the best college of all times of all time that you know if you wanted to learn to funk this is the way to do it total immersion you know six seven days a week 12 hours a day full-on drink all the kool-aid and just become part of the brotherhood that was the time, you know, and, and just be open and learn and do your gig. And that's what I did. And it was a great learning experience all the way through my time in the time and beyond because you know, we can get into that too in a little bit.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, after Purple Rain is, is going on, there was a bit of a of a dissolve with the time. if I remember correctly, Morris went and wanted to do a solo thing,
1: yeah, and smart Chris timing came. for him, probably
0: really you know, why, why why do you think that would be the case?
1: probably because... got a lot more well a couple of reasons in my opinion, and I'm guessing here, but first of all, he probably didn't like the fact that I was in the band. And the other guys were in the band. Those weren't his brothers that he grew up with. Sure. Those aren't the original members. So everything changed. And he's like, F this. This isn't what I signed up for. And then after Purple Rain blew up, people come knocking on the door with some real green. And I'm sure it wasn't the same green. And, And again, I'm guessing here. Right. I'm sure it wasn't the kind of money that Prince was paying him at the time. And he went... You're gonna give me what? And he left. And rightly so. It was good timing if you wanted to do something like that. that I mean, that's a I, I understand that, that decision. So I guess, bye-bye.
0: Yeah. I think so that'd be the time to to to, to go, go. With the time. But that actually makes a lot more sense to me right now. Just
1: think mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. If you could go solo, do it there. Yeah, yeah. His brothers were gone. The band wasn't the same, so he's like, I'm out. Right. I, I don't I don't blame him. And we've had We've had conversations about that, and I read his book, which I thought was really well done. If you haven't read the Morris Day book, it's fascinating. It's a really good book. I I actually read it a few years ago when it first came out, and selfishly, I was looking for me in the book. I'm like, what did this dude say about me? Right. He said nothing about me. And I was like, hmm. I think he saved me some, uh, some hassle actually by not including me in the book. Because what's he going to say? He's going to say, you know, these three new dudes came in the band and ruined the whole thing for me. So I went solo. So I think he (laughs) spared spared me. Is what I. One of them was
0: seventeen years old.
1: But you know, I actually wrote that to him in an email, and I said, "Dude, I, I think your book was great. It was nice to hear your version of this." Because we don't, you know, we haven't really kept in that great a touch. But he's got a fascinating story. And that, it's cool to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I hear that. What happened when he left, man? You know, I I guess I'm kind of leading towards the family at this point.
1: Oh, moment. yeah. So... He uh, he left, Jesse Johnson left, who was the main guitar player in the time, and he yeah. got a deal over at A&M Records and took a, a couple of other. player,
0: too, man. Good I God. just got to work
1: with him again. Dude. Uh, in son, L.A. 30, 35 years later, we got to work together, but we can get to that, too. Sure. He, he ended up getting signed to A&M Records. He took the keyboard player with him. He took the bass player with him, so Prince sat us around in a semicircle of the people who were left, and he said, I'm going to do a brand new band with you guys. And he was—he wanted to not leave us holding the bag with nothing to do. <clears throat> so he created this band called The Family, and he said, you're going to be the lead singer, and he pointed at me. And his girlfriend at the time, Susanna Melvoin, and ended up being in the band and so did Eric Leeds, who was, was went on to play with him for many, many years. Tenor saxophonist, great arranger, great guy. And, and that's how that whole, the, uh, the family started and he would send me cassette tapes of the songs he wanted me to learn. I had to learn his inflection, his delivery. um, and just cop as much of his vibe as I could because I wasn't a seasoned singer, so he was trying to lead me down a path that would save a bunch of him having to come in and and uh, and, and deal with it. He he said, just do your best to copy this as as closely as you can, copy the vibe. And obviously my my voice is is, is going to come through no matter what, but right. to to cop his inflections was not a dumb idea because he's the funkiest man in the land. Who wouldn't want to have that kind of direction? Right. So I did exactly that. And I worked closely with David Z, um, a producer that has been so close to my family for years and years and years. And he really taught me the ropes about how to sing in the studio and Jelly Bean would be sitting right by him. So we cut that record I hardly knew Susanna yet, but those guys, she cut her parts at different times. Prince played all the instruments, had that record written, I I don't know, in a week or two. Oh, my God. Uh, he, He was that prolific in writing the best songs of his life at that point.
0: That is quite possible. Well, I mean, it is my favorite Prince offshoot no matter what. But that record was life changing for me. Really? Uh, yeah, I didn't man. Know that. Yeah, dude. Hmm. That's the funkiest record. That, oh man. I, I mean, I, I think about it all the time. You know, just like those were, those are probably my favorite Prince tracks. Mutiny. God, yeah. Funkiest song probably ever written. Right, right next to uh to the Payback by James. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, fun
1: to but, play to this day. I get oh to play that, that all the time. Still, that song
0: just slays me. And you guys were And the it first kills the it.
1: audiences still. They absolutely love that track. Some of them don't know what the hell it is. Oh, man. But by the time they get in halfway into it, they're like, wow. Oh, they're freaking out. <laughs> they out, out of breath
0: out. because they're dancing so hard, man. That's yeah, right. that's what you do. You make them feet move, Paul mm-hmm. Peterson. Yes. That's what
1: you're supposed to do.
0: <laughs> that's right. You guys also did the first version of Nothing Compares to You. We you know, did.
1: Um, that's, a, that's, a, um, that is a little known fact that so your good. listeners don't know anything about that. They're probably, well, no, he did not go look it up. Yeah, Go man, look think, it up. It's it the truth. He thing. wrote that song and, uh, again, got delivered to my house. I sat and listened to it. It was a full band thing. He cut all the drums, keyboards, bass, vocals, and, Got to my house. I learned the thing. We went back into the studio. I went with David Z. Uh, cut the vocal with him, and then they sh- shipped it off to this guy by the name of Claire Fisher, who was a great string arranger. Did a lot of stuff with Rufus and Chaka Khan, at the suggestion of Susanna Melvoin, who knew of those records, and he, uh, she, and Prince were listening to all that, and she made that suggestion, and. And Prince hired him, and that song became the most dramatic, um, cinematic, the whole record did really. Heartbreaking ballad of all time that wasn't widely known from the family, but when Sinead got a hold of it, everything changed.
0: Well, how did that make you feel, though? Like, I'm I'm totally curious about that because, I mean, obviously, Sinead had a huge, huge hit with it. And again, there's the family. Baddest band in the land, as far as I'm concerned, and you have this cut. Yeah. How did that all kind of play out with you?
1: I was so far out of the band by that point in time. I was driving up the street probably four blocks from here when I heard it. On the radio for the first time, I pulled over to the side of the road, and I went... What in the F is going on here? What? Who is this chick? Who's singing my song? And I I didn't like the groove. I didn't like the production. I didn't like any of it. I mostly didn't like it because it wasn't me. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) There it is. No, but why not be honest? I'm like, this sucks. This sucks. I hate this. And 90% of the reason why I didn't like it is because I was jealous. That that should have been me and the family doing that, but I made a decision in my life that you know that that was not going to be possible, and that's that's cool. That's just part of the 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 ride of life, isn't it? But it and, really and, is. And, and you look back on it, look back on it now, and I can, I'm grown up enough to say, Ken Valdez, that you know the, the reason I didn't like it is because it wasn't me, and people wouldn't know that it was the family who did that song first now check it out that song to me now production wise and all that I see so much value in why they changed those the groove why they did what they did for her and they did an incredible job for her as an artist on that song sure they updated it they turned it into a more I don't know if you want to call it hip hoppy beat but more modern beat for that particular point in time and No wonder it was a hit. I don't know if mine, my version or the version Prince did, I don't know if that ever would have been a hit because there was no groove, there was no drums, if you recall. They stripped all the drums and bass and everything out and it was keyboards and strings and totally cinematic, like I said. That ain't fit for KDWB and all the top 40 stations, but Sinead O'Connor's version was. And she sang the hell out of that song. Yes, she did. Hard yeah. for me to admit that,
0: no nah, man. You know, and nobody. <laughs> and it's so funny to hear that because, like, you know, in that same breath, man, I could say I, I, you know, might be biased, man, but I, I
1: absolutely prefer yours. You know, that's um, so do I, frankly. Yes, yes, I, I do prefer mine as well, still, but, 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 <laughs> I see why hers worked, and I'm glad, and I told Prince that. I said, this is probably 25 years after it was a hit, we were hanging out. We were talking about publishing and people covering his songs, and he hated. it. He said, "Did you like Sinead's version?" I went, "Not particularly." <laughs> the voice, I, yep. The voice, oh yeah! Man, wow, mm-hmm. wow, wow! Oh man, he said. I said, "But the league, legally, anybody can cut those songs. They should change the rules. They should change the rules and make us give, have us be able to give permission." on who can cut our stuff because I said well look people have covered a lot of your songs and they are the majority of them are terrible that's like covering a Prince song is like covering a Stevie Wonder song man, uh, yeah. don't do it <laughs> do not do it and here I am I've covered Prince and Stevie Wonder songs <laughs> so I don't follow my own direction <laughs> so I don't listen well Oh, man. do what I say not what I do We're going to take a short
0: pause from my conversation with St. Paul Peterson to tell you about our new Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash Ken Valdez Approach. Now, we had a Patreon page that got lost for a little bit. We got things back. It's up and running, ready to go. So when you go over there, you're going to find some older content that is exclusive only to our patrons. We're getting ready to go ahead and put out some brand new content as well. At this point in time, there are no tiers. Everybody is uh, welcome to whatever they find over there. And I'll tell you, there's going to be exclusive stuff coming your way very, very soon from my guests, from the show. we got merchandise that's about to drop, and it's only going to be available to you that are patrons. Right? So, go over there, check it out, lend a hand. If you dig this show, that is how you can show some love. www.patreon.com slash Ken Valdez Approach. Man, we appreciate it more than you know, and it helps keep this show going. Speaking of which, let's get back to this show. Let's get back to this interview with my friend St. Paul Peterson. Right here, on The Approach. Things went down, you know, you you and Prince had a falling out of sorts, but you guys, you know, reconciled and stuff. And, and we did. I mean, just to kind of put the bookend on, on, uh, you know, your time with, with, with Prince,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what did he mean to you as far as, I mean, just who you are as a person and as a musician?
1: Wow. Great question. I hate you for asking that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was a great educator to me. Not only did I learn about the funk, but I learned about songwriting, production, marketing, business. It was like a whole four-year degree in the short amount of time that I was there. And he never would um, verbally say these things like, this is you know why he did what he did with the marketing and or dressing the band this way or coming out and doing articles, you know, just to gain, and maybe saying different stuff that would just gain attention. He was very strategic about every single thing that he did, meticulously so. And I was sitting back, and I was a sponge in those days, and I I learned so much there. Musically speaking, uh, he... He was just a freak, and, and like you said, in a good way. He was a freak. He was an alien. There's many aliens I've met in my life. <laughs> Eric Gales is one Eric of them. Gales, he's,
0: all. he's public enemy number one as far as I'm concerned. He, he that is, guy is prime alien.
1: He he is, and I'm, I've known him for 30 years. And these guys who are of, of that caliber, oh, you know, they're on another plane. You know, to, to put it nicely, they are completely on a different plane. And if you can, uh, or planet, as we like to say, sure. and if you can orbit their planet for an amount of time and, you know, take bits of information and knowledge from that situation, no matter how, you know, if you had good experiences, bad experience, but you turn them into something that is meaningful to you and then turn it around and, and, and make it music in your own life that that's what i got out of it i for the short amount of time that i was there he made a huge impact on my life
0: God, man yeah absolutely and those are those are some potent words man those are very heavy words and great words so wow thank you for I'm I'm,
1: i'm super grateful for everything that he did for me but not only for me but for my family my brother ricky produced a bunch of records out there after I left in 85 Prince I mean Prince hired Ricky to be the staff um, producer out there and of course me being the little brother he I tagged along and I was right back in the fold again even though Prince and I weren't (laughs) talking together to to each other and I played on a bunch of records at Paisley Park for a number of years until Ricky's gig ended and you know big thanks to big brother for always letting me tag along. And I mean, some of those records that I played on at Paisley park are the favorite records I've ever done. The George Benson record got to play with my idol. And sometimes you don't, they say, don't go meet your idols. Well, I met my idol and he was the nicest cat and he loved everything we played. I got to write a song with him. We had dinner. It was unbelievable. So I, I have nothing but good stuff from my days there.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, George Benson is just, I mean, the man. You have played on so many records, man. Which are the ones that really stand out to you? That one. That one. (laughs) (laughs) I can see why. You know, he's just one of the greatest of all time. That's all. But, I mean, you really have, though. You've played on so many records and so many records that have done remarkably well. But, I mean, the ones that stand out to you, the ones that, that really matter to you, you got a top five?
1: Oh, boy. The Benson records, plural, wow. uh, are up there. I would say every Peterson record that I've ever been involved in, whether it be my brother Ricky, who's, you know, he's my mentor as a producer and, and the way records are supposed to sound. His records that he involved me with 30 years ago and, He produced my first record, so anything he was involved in, those those stand out. Those times with him in the studio, gaining knowledge and watching him work and watching, watching him work with other people, huge learning experience for me. See, I mean, he allowed me to do that. So any record I was on of his was always great. And like I said, out at Paisley, I got to play on... Mavis Staples record one of my favorite (laughs) records I've ever played on man yeah that that stands out Um, Peterson Family Records the Christmas records that we've done together playing with my mom who was the most brilliant jazz pianist and I get to sit back and play my first instrument drums and you know watch my brother Billy on the upright who's probably one of the finest upright players on the planet yes those memories and those experiences uh, uh, have shaped and formed me into just uh, and, and made me so grateful. I mean, th- those records are are my, probably my favorite, and I like a couple of mine too. Those those are memorable. Yeah. You know, making my own records, learning about the business, learning how to produce myself, and finally, you know, if you if you really want to get into it, man, finally figuring out who the hell I think I am with this record i think it took me 40 years to not care what other people think and put out the record that i wanted to put out
0: and it's a hell of a record man
1: and tell us a little bit about it man let's let's go there let's go to your
0: brand new record well kim it's all over the map well tell me about it now man it's a killing record it's thank you buddy it, it is you I can, I've known you for for several years now, and and I consider you my just a mentor, teacher, friend. Just, you know, you are my big brother, man. And this record is St. Paul Peterson. I'll put it this way if anybody is trying to figure out who St. Paul is, what St. Paul Mm -hmm. is, go check out this record. It's right there for you. That is St. Paul Peterson. This is a quintessential St. Paul Peterson record, but it also gets to uh, to the heart of you, I think, as an artist because it really does showcase all that you have, man. Yeah, which is so much and great tunes, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. You. When did you? When did this all kind of take place? How did it? How did it? all happened where'd you record you know the whole night yeah.
1: so i started this record i would say three years ago i actually put out a couple of singles uh, that are on this record i didn't i thought i was going to keep putting out singles you know one every quarter one every six months or something like that so i think i started with you got to love which is a song i wrote with my nephew jason up on the north side of minneapolis in his lab or studio as we call it He's always been the one who's encouraged me. Uncle Paul, you got to get back in, man. You got to do some of this funk. Come up to the north side. Come up to the hood. And let's get you back on track. Because, you know, sometimes I'm so busy doing other things. Occasionally, I'll put everything, you know, not occasionally. I will put everything else before myself. You know, family, which is fine. I mean, that's that's who I am. But he is the one who said, come on, let's do this. So we, we started with that. And I caught a couple of other songs as well, Something in the Water with Oliver Lieber, which is one of my favorite songs on the record. And then I got a phone call from a friend in Germany who has a label called Leopard. And he said, Paul, this is during the pandemic, he said, I want to take those two songs that you have, but I want you to record the rest of the record. And so I did, you know, I was ready, and we had some downtime during the pandemic, and I, right. I just wrote. I, I didn't care what was coming out. I'm like, okay, what are we going to do today? And sometimes it'd be rock, sometimes it'd be funk, sometimes it'd be R and B. Sometimes there'd be some bebop over you know overtones, and really, if you know me. I, I like all that stuff and I've been lucky enough to be able to tour with all those different kind of genres. And the entire time for the rest of my career, I've, it has been you know, crammed into my brain to not confuse the audience by, by putting multiple, multiple genres on the same record. And I just went, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it took me this long to actually finally just be me on this record so you're going to get all the things that i do and as long as you do it authentically which i hope to think that i do um then just go for it and that's i finally gave my self permission to do that and so you get a bunch of different sides and it takes you really on a journey from beginning to end yes yes and it's on vinyl and you can actually look at the art look i can't I show this. you be- it's, yeah, it's it's yeah. over there i can't get it right it's now, back
0: there but- yeah mm-hmm. you guys gotta check this out because it really is quite the record probably my favorite release this year and uh man it is it really is you like yeah. you know if somebody wanted to get to know saint paul peterson not just the music but the person behind it man this is such a a great way to go about doing that man so, yeah, good on you for this record, because it is, it's, it's exceptional, bro. I'm, Thank you. you know, Thank I'm, you very much. You know, I love you, but I'm being, I'm being absolutely straight. I love this record. Thank it's you, bro. So good.
1: I'm very happy with that. I think it turned out really good. Yeah, man. I do. <laughs>
0: I'm proud of it, you know? As you should be, man, as you should be. Are you touring in support of it?
1: We're doing some spot dates here and there. Uh, uh, we did, we sold out. Uh, a club called vibrato in california uh around that 15th or middle of june then we came back here and did two shows at the dakota uh, looks like we'll be doing an outdoor festival in september at the canterbury park nice september 2nd i'm hoping that's gonna transpire we're just waiting on a couple of things you know crossing the t's and dotting the i's and we'll make sure that's all good and but that's where we're at right now, and we're hoping to tour in Europe next year. There's a little backlog because of COVID. Right. The clubs are booked. So they, they definitely want me to come over and do that. And I love playing, man. I'm playing with the Minneapolis Funk All-Stars, which is a really great band of alumni from Prince, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis, different uh, uh conglomerations of those bands we put them all together and make one good one and we are continuing the minneapolis sound and we we want to keep spreading that great music we do songs by prince the time the family of originals of course we're having a ball and it's one of the best bands i've ever been in in my life
0: you have also worked with many artists you've toured with many artists are there particular artists that that you really have enjoyed touring with I mean, th- this is the, the feather in the hat or these are some of my favorite times, anything like that.
1: Well being on the road with my brothers in the Steve Miller band, I don't know. Playing the Hollywood Bowl, how do you get better than that, Ken? Playing Red Rocks with my family. Right. Forget about it, huh? Yeah. That's yeah. that's the best. I mean really playing for in front of the Grateful Dead for 100,000 people at Shea Stadium (laughs) with my family. With your family. Yes. It's all about family with me. I mean, there's been other gigs. I mean, it was pretty fun to play Carnegie Hall with F Deluxe and being able to call my mom and say, Mom, I played Carnegie Hall. You know, that's pretty cool stuff. Those gigs stand out. And honestly, these little gigs that we do with my family. Here, uh, every single Christmas, we've done them for 30 years. We get together for a week before our concert. We eat, we rehearse, we bond, we love on each other. And we make some really good music and we don't put too much pressure on ourselves. So it's a hang. It's like the, the, the audience is in our living room and we have a ball. We do, we do it every year. It's called the Jam Before Christmas.
0: Yeah. And
1: those are the gigs on. that stand out. And oh, I can't. I can't go without saying Donnie Osmond. My, talk about my, he's my big brother. He is, I think I have, uh, I think I've ruined him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was this nice little Mormon boy. And then I started up. And he and I hit it off so well, and I'm burping and farting and doing all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, I end up living with him. He, I mean, he and I are pretty darn tight. And I just love him to pieces. And he took me on the road uh, to Europe, and we, we played castles and I did a beautiful concert at Edinburgh Castle that I'll never forget that Julie got to come to. Oh, so. Man.
0: Well, you were also his MD on, uh, on his show, right?
1: I was not the MD. I was only the bass player.
0: You're only the bass player.
1: Who... Which was great for me because that, that was too, way too much pressure. I didn't want that gig. Oh I was God, his MD on, on his tour, but not on the TV show.
0: Yeah, well, that TV show, there was a, there was a clip that, that came out not too long ago. And uh, somebody had, uh, had brought it up to me, and it was Little Richard. Um, yes. That blew my mind because his interview was so heartfelt, and then you guys were just on the spot playing Little Richard tunes with them. We got to know. play
1: with Little Richard.
0: How cool is that? It
1: was. It's unbelievable. I played with more in legendary people on there: Glenn Campbell, oh, Robert wow. Palmer, so many people, Reba McIntyre. Um, Oh, I can't even think. Of, I think that uh, Justin Timberlake was on, Britney Spears was on, you know, before they were huge. Right, right, man. And and, and uh, Brian White was on, Brian McKnight was on. I mean, hundreds. Stevie Wonder was on. I got to play <laughs> with Stevie and Greg Fillinghains back in the day. Oh, my God. And now Greg and I are friends. Right, right. You know? He, had, he was actually going to do the gig in L.A. with me in January that I had to cancel because I had COVID. I'm like, Greg Filling Gaines, you said yes to me? And for those of you who don't know who <laughs> Greg Filling Gates is, he played on all the Michael Jackson records. Yes. He played on all the hits that Quincy Jones was a part of. He's just a monster, and what a great soul.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, he's, uh, he's one of those guys that kind of freaks me out. He's one of those musical badasses, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen him with Stevie. I've seen him with Toto. I've seen it like, I mean, he's ridiculous. He's one of those guys, which says a lot about you, my bro. You're one of those guys too. And uh, yeah, yeah. I love it, man. You got that respect from those that you respect. Right, you have that. You have that thing that, where you know people just they, they love you, man, because of what you do, and you're a good I'll guy, take. man.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's all we can hope for, right? The, at the end of the day, that's all you want is respect. That's it. Right, right. Then you win. Then you win. That's you the lottery, win. right there.
0: Throughout this entire career of yours, if it could be
1: summed up in one song, what would it be? Oh boy. Does it have to be one I wrote? <laughs>
0: Not necessarily. I was going to say, has it even been written yet? You know?
1: Uh, man. There are songs that are incredibly important to me for reasons that probably go back to my relationship with my wife. You know? Songs I've written for her. Oh, don't Turn Away is a song I wrote with a great songwriter by the name of Rick Barron that I wrote 25 years ago. That is incredible. And it really speaks to my relationship with her. Now we're married 32 years. I wrote her a song on this new record that just talks about where we're at in our life with our kids grown and moving away and how the groove just gets deeper. It's all really based on love, man. That's it. If, it's, and if I had to pick a song, I sing a song at my, my uh, daughter's wedding. It's a song that my sister Patty turned me on to by Michael Ruff, who was actually on Funk Friday two weeks ago. All right. He wrote a song called I Love You More Than You'll Ever Know that is so simple and so beautiful that is one of my favorite songs. And I'd say it would mirror my life. It's all about love. I can't get around anything else other than that. It's all about love. You also taught me something a while back. This guy has taught me
0: more than probably most anybody. It's all about the hang.
1: <laughs> I get that from my brothers. <laughs> it's true.
0: Tell us about that, man. What does that well, mean to you?
1: The hang is, 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 investing time in friends and in projects and helping out, man. I mean, I remember, well, you helped me out, actually. I was an instructor at a music college here uh, for think, two different music, music colleges here over the course of 17 years, and I was running this one particular Music college, and I was running a production class, and I called you, and I said, "Ken, do not you come in and, and let me produce a, a song on you for this class?" Well, you said sure, and that turned into us writing together. Damn. That turned into not one song, but I don't know half a record or yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we wrote some incredible stuff together. And that, my friend, is the hang. Yes, sometimes there's money involved. Ninety percent of the time, there's not, and there's better value when there's not money involved. Right, right. Just because you're investing in a friendship, you're investing in someone else. You 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 pouring into someone else, man. If you can do that as a teacher and as a mentor, and or a or just a friend, like you could be hammering nails on somebody's deck if they need you. Be there. Yeah, that's what the hang is,
0: man. Man, I mean, it was it was extraordinary because we you know kind of talked about about your brothers and it's so interesting the more i think about this man about just this you know not trying to make it a me thing <laughs> Why not?
1: But just your show.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's my show. Hey, what, show.
1: what, hey, what you got ta- What you got tattooed on your arm there, little it's, brother?
0: Uh, it's a so Renegade. Uh-huh. First song you and I wrote together, man. That's right. That's right.
1: I would that's say right. that that's pretty important thing, man.
0: It really is, man. I mean, that song is very autobiographical. And uh, you know, man got a chance to work with two of my favorite Just artists ever you and Doyle Bramhall right right that's insane to me but I think back man I think back to my time here in Minneapolis which started 20 some odd years ago and realizing how how much your family has been a part of my life within that time frame because when when I started Ricky played keys on, on my record, Every Little Lie. Oh, right? wow. Jason and, and Billy were going to be in the band, and we had three or four rehearsals. I remember no that. Way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, we had about three or four rehearsals, and uh ah, man, and then you know Jason got the the Michael Bolton gig, and Billy ended up going back out with Steve Miller, who mm-hmm. you know he was with Steve Miller for like thirty some years or something like that, right? Almost thirty years. Twenty five, yeah. God, that's crazy, man. So he had that going on, and then there was Isaac, obviously, right? And mm-hmm. he was playing drums. And then all these years later, here we are again, you know, working with you. I'll tell you what, man, one of the most amazing things that I think I've ever experienced in my life as a a, in a studio anywhere anywhere I tell this story every now and again you and Ricky were in the studio and we were working on a song together right and Ricky is playing keys and this is one of my songs I'm trying to remember which one it was um either which way you are on the board and Ricky is playing B3 and whenever there was something to punch in or if there was something that, that was going on or if he was rushing or whatever it was, you guys would like stop, probably say two words and it didn't make any sense to myself <laughs> or yeah. the class. You guys would like finish each other's sentences or like read each other's brains and it was frightening. Yeah, hey, hey, that one part. Oh yeah, man. Got, okay, cool. Yeah, okay. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Well, it's, that's all those dudes ah, doing records together.
0: Oh, yeah. Man, it was like you guys had your own language, and it was just I, everybody that was in that room was just like just dumbfounded, jaws on the floor. Everybody just looking at each other, like, "Are you getting this?" I wish somebody had that recorded. And God, I, I I'm, I'm assuming that somebody probably does somewhere.
1: Who knows?
0: But Who man, knows? That just that needs th- that needs to be seen and heard because it it's incredible, man. Like, just that bond that you have. And I, I, I really do like bringing it back to family because, you know, that it, it, that really is so important.
1: Yeah, well, It's weird. I mean, my family's weird. We really actually like each other. <laughs> I always thought every family was like that. But evidently, that is not necessarily the case. So we, especially at the age we are, we don't take any of that for granted. Right. We don't take each other for granted. We just... We groove. That's what we do. We groove on stage. We groove in the kitchen. I love it. I love it. Speaking about
0: grooving, you've been doing this thing every Friday for how long now? How many weeks is Funk Friday is like, it's a staple for me now. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, man.
1: Funk Friday. One every week we're on episode 124 right now. That you're going to be on, by the way, oh. whether, whether you know it or not. <laughs> I, you haven't made one yet because it's this is the right one. I think this is tailor-made for you. Oh, man. So. It, it is a one-minute piece of music, one-minute piece of funk. And it came about, I was in New York City about to play the Iridium, and we were in a uh, rehearsal hall, and I had an intern who works on my podcast called Music on the Run. He was in college. His name is Jake Miller. And Jake said, why don't you do a weekly thing like a jam or something like that? And I kind of looked at him and i went, like, no, that's a lot of work for me. I don't feel like doing that. You know, I was being old and, and didn't want to <laughs> conform. And then I went, you know, you knucklehead, why do you hire these interns if you're not going to listen to them? So I listened to him, And the first one was a handheld camera. You know, my long arm of the law, hanging out there, getting a little funk jam, hammering on bass notes as I was moving the camera around, and that was Funk Friday one. Fast forward to you know where we are today. I, and over the pandemic, the reason we did this and the reason I did this was originally to get uh, people to go from uh, from my page to Music on the Run, my podcast what it has turned into is this goodwill love fest, if you will. Basically, we are putting this music out just to get something good on the internet, something that isn't politics or things that divide us or separate us. As you know, Ken, the mu- music is the great connector, the great healer. And I'm like, dude, I'm. Not, what am I going to do during the pandemic? I'm going to keep this thing going. And it's turned into uh, having it Fire, the Brecker Brothers, uh, Hall and Oates, uh, Toto, um, so many different people on on this thing, and they were all free. And I I, I just asked them, and then ninety nine percent of them said yes. Probably, and you want and you want me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes I do well, yes yeah, I do all right. come on now yeah alright man <laughs> but literally it's we put it out every week either <laughs> on St. Paul Peterson on Instagram or Music on the Run podcast both on Instagram and on Facebook so go check out check them out there's some really fun moments on there and we we get some great help from Davide Razo whom yeah. you know who's my producer for the podcast and does a lot of mixing for Funk Friday And Emily Turner, who's our newest intern, she has come up with some great visuals for putting all these iPhone videos together that have sent to me. So just to tell you how it works, I write a song on a Tuesday, like today. I send it out to whomever I think would be good to play on it. They replace my parts. They send back their parts to me by Thursday with an iPhone video. I mix and I have Emily edit. and We put it all together and we put it out on Friday. And that's oh, Funk wow. Friday.
0: Wow. I can't wait, man. I'm excited about it. Thank you for even considering me for it. Heck that's, yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness.
1: Just man, be you, man. That's what we want.
0: I'm I'm all about it. That's all I can be, my friend. And that's that right. Is something that you've taught me. You started talking about uh, music on the run. Tell us about that podcast.
1: We're on episode 58. I was doing two a month for the first two seasons and since I've been so busy with the new record and other things that I'm doing in my life, I've gone down to one episode a month. We've had everybody from Steve Miller, from the Steve Miller band on to Kevin and Michael Bacon, Debbie Gibson, members of, uh, who am to forget, Earth, Wind of Fire. Uh, I wish I had the list in front of me. I know we have Dr. Steve Cole on who is, I just finished a, uh, incredible two night stand with him in, In Minneapolis at the Dakota, a killing jazz saxophone player and great educator of the next generation of creators that are coming up over at St. Thomas uh, College here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Brilliant guy who has some great ideas and and really thinks that the music business is going to be fine with the next generation that's coming up. He thinks we're in good hands. So I'm like, oh, do tell. So that's going to be it. That came out today. Oh, wow. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, it's really informative. He's 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 a brilliant guy and a killing saxophonist.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just the, the whole premise of, of, you know, music on the run is really cool to um, kind of give us a, a little background on it, if you will.
1: Yeah, so I am a runner. Oh, that's kind of how I keep my head together doing a thousand different jobs although I've been taking a little bit of a break this summer, just with a couple injuries and things like that. I'm, uh, what running has done for me, I wanted to pass the word along about how musicians stay in shape while they're on the road. What do they do when they're on the road? How do they keep physically fit? What are their routines? How do they keep their families together? How do they keep their businesses together? you know all those different things and the amount of stories that we've gotten out of so many different people has been amazing so we've got a great collection i was thinking of lenny castro from uh john mayer's band uh, nathan east from eric clapton's band sonny emory from uh, from clapton's band just incredible musicians some some stars, some not stars. Some stars, in my eyes, I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: they're all telling their story. They give their background about it. But a lot of it's been geared to how they deal with the stresses of the road. And uh, it's it's been a great experience. And we we aren't stopping. We're we're keeping going, man.
0: And that's such a good thing, man. I keep thinking about just that concept that you have, just because you know, for those that want to know a little bit more about what it's like on the road. That's a great way to introduce it to them. Yeah. And also just, you know, the people that are actually doing it, the guys that are actually out there doing it and performing and stuff. And and just how, like you said, how how do they stay sane? How do they maintain, you know, health? How do they maintain a family?
1: How do, how do they keep the gig? Right, right. right. <laughs> how do they get the gig? But more importantly, how do you, how do keep, you keep the gig?
0: <laughs> and that's the truth. I love it, man. What do you have coming up? in the next, you know, in the very near future.
1: We are, we're releasing break on free on the 29th of uh, July as a single. We've been, we put, we brought the record out probably two weeks ago, but we're now we're releasing, focusing on singles. That's super important. I'm doing that. I'm doing a lot of work up at my church, which is really important to me these days. Um, Doing a lot of that. And just, grooving hard with my wife just hanging out you know staying by the pool it's 100 degrees here oh, man we're trying to stay yeah, cool it's, hot. it's too dang hot and it's hot too and i'm playing with some great people i've been having so much fun with the minneapolis funk all-stars again we're doing another gig coming up in september and looking forward to doing a bunch more we're going back to la you did so well. We uh, they offered us a couple nights there, Beautiful. T- trying to expand all that. Go up to San Francisco, maybe play Yoshi's, and ah, sure, yeah. Just getting, just you know, enjoying the summer, man.
0: Indeed, man, indeed. So usually at the end of the show, man, I throw these rapid fire questions. So it's just you don't think, you just go, you just yep. go, you just go. Right? Go for it. All right, man. For you, gosh, this is a this is a tough one. You know, as far as I'm concerned with you. Because I know you, and you are a jack of all trades, man. And it's just, this is, this is a different one. So I'm just going to go here. Top three Desert Island records for you.
1: Oh, uh, Asia, Steely Dan, um, Fulfilling His First Finale, Stevie Wonder, and Kind of Blue, Miles.
0: Wow, wow. If there was any artist alive that you'd want to be touring with, who would it be? Stevie. Stevie. Any Stevie artist Wonder. that's, that's passed on. Who would you want to be touring
1: with? Oh, Prince. I never got to play in his band, man.
0: Wow. That's actually, that's heavy.
1: It is. Yeah. He yeah. asked me, he asked me once, but he said i had to become a vegetarian and then we both laughed and i wasn't in his van (laughs) that wasn't going to work out for me i said why don't you meet me meet me at the steakhouse and we'll talk about it prince oh my gosh man the
0: stories just the stories man i'm gonna go here favorite prince story that you have that's one of them right there. That's great, <laughs>
1: <man>. <laughs> Yeah, he called me up to his office after I'd been at Paisley Park with Ricky. Uh, I, I wrote him a note and I said, Prince, thank you for all that you've done for me and my family. I know we haven't gotten along necessarily, blah, 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 but I just wanted to get a closure on this and say thank you for all you've done. Of course, I got a phone call the next day. He said, Prince wants to see you. So I went back to Paisley Park went up to his uh, apartment up there, had me wait for and stew for half an hour before he decided to show up. He said, what are you doing? He said, what do you mean? <laughs> do, you make, do you make a living in music business? I'm like, yeah. He said, well, do you want to play in my band? I said, mm, tell me more. He said, well, It's going to be an all meatless band because that mad cow disease is going to get you. It was right during the mad cow disease. (laughs) I said, Prince, no, man. (laughs) I'd love to play in your band, but I'm not going to become a vegetarian. He just wanted to get me under his thumb. So that's one of my favorite stories. Oh, wow.
0: That's so good, man. That's so good. All right, man. Let's see. Favorite gig that you've ever done?
1: Oh, man. How about the last one with my mom? Love that. I love that. It was at Edina Country Club. She was mostly bedridden, kind of checking out. And I got her to put on a dress, come to our rotary party and play the piano. She went from little old lady to the most grand damn of all times. The minute she started tinkling the keys. And that was, I did my first gig with her there when I was 15. And I did my last gig with her. Uh, when she was on her way out. And that was the last gig we did together.
0: Here we go. If you could put together an
1: all-star band. I already you did. Wow. That's the one I'm playing with right now. Yeah,
0: that's not a bad all-star band at all. All right, man. Here's the last one. If there was one song that you wish he wrote, what would it be?
1: Nothing compares to you. Wow. hmm
0: Wow. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. My bro... I I can't say enough about you and I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for me. You are you're everything to me, man. You are my thank mentor, you, you are my friend. Yeah, I just I love you so much. You're family, man. Where can people find you, bro? Where can people, you know, find your music and uh, get in touch with you?
1: Sure, go to paulpeterson.com. We have, you know, the brand new record, signed merch, all sorts of fun stuff there. Instagram is St. Paul Peterson, uh, Facebook is also St. Paul Peterson, Twitter is also St. Paul Peterson. That's all that you can also find the inf- other information about Funk Friday on on those various sites and Music on the Run as well. And uh, Kenny, you you're you're a good dude, man. You're my little bro. I'm proud of everything you're doing. Oh, man. Love to see your family growing like that. It's just super fun, although we don't get to see each other all the time. I'm I'm always proud of you.
0: Hey, well, there you have it. I want to thank my special guest this week, St. Paul Peterson, my big bro, my mentor, my friend. I I can't tell you enough about this guy. I think the world of him, and uh, I owe him so much. He and his family, my extended family. They are brilliance, excellence, personified. Paul has a brand new record out. It's called Break On Free. You can find that everywhere right now. Go visit his socials. Go check out his record. The Minneapolis Sound is alive and well with him. Plus, it goes so much further beyond that. And if you see that he's coming to your town, man, go check it out. Check out that excellence. It is brilliant musicianship all the way around. And it's just a damn good time. Speaking of a damn good time... You can go check out my website at www.kenvaldez.com. Over there, you can find out more about my music. I got some tour dates coming up, people, and I'd love to see you. You can find some merchandise. You can find out more about this show. And, of course, you have got links to my socials, and I love hearing from you. So go check that out. Go say hi. I will get back to you. If you like this show and you want to lend a helping hand, we got our Patreon back, www.patreon.com slash Ken Valdez Approach. On our Patreon page, you can find nothing but exclusive content not available to anybody else other than our patrons, whether it be the old school stuff we have, or the new stuff that's coming down the line. We're going to be releasing some really, really cool merchandise. And man, there are no tears right now. Not yet anyway. So it is free reign. Whatever you can do, whatever kind of love you can throw our way, we'll take it, man. Absolutely. So check it out, www.patreon.com slash Ken Valdez. That's about it, everybody. Until next time, be good to each other. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.
1: You're not alone.